Good look. Look, I, let me just tell y'all so we can be really clear, because I don't want to leave you with any misimpressions. I am not a socialist. I believe in the virtues of capitalism, if capitalism is actually working. But one of the points that one must understand is capitalism presupposes that people, if they're on equal footing, they compete and the best will rise. Well, that's a because not if most people are not starting out on the same fuck is up it's state of the revolution the michigan progressive podcast i'm benjamin Klon, zachary reinhardt matthias brimmer ricky reynolds we're coming to you from the studios at the fledge in lansing michigan as we tape this it is saturday october 5th and thanks for joining us this week um also a special thanks to senator kamala harris for going on record and stating emphatically that she is not a socialist um, I wasn't quite sure about that myself, so I really uh, appreciate her clarifying that. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so I guess moving on to our first story. Uh, do you guys like it when cops go to prison? Because I kind of like it when cops go to prison. I am shocked when cops go to prison. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's a it was a nice turn in pace. I think there was quite a few things that made a difference this time. Um, one of the things being that the jury wasn't all white. It was, uh, I think majority. there were only like two or three white people in the jury. Yeah, right? yeah, I think that makes a difference. That should be the standard for all juries. Yeah, mm-hmm. agreed. Especially when it has to do with like black people being murdered by the police. So, um, the time, I mean, so people are going, I've seen a lot of different takes on like the amount of, because you got 10 years. Mm-hmm. So, I've, mm-hmm. I've seen, um, different takes yeah. on that. Like, uh, you know, you have like people going to um, jail for a lot longer for lesser crimes, um, which is definitely a problem. But uh, the minimum was five, so it's double the minimum. So that's more than I expected, to be honest. I don't know. What do you guys feel about the it, 10 it, years? It's a cop going to jail. I'm pretty fucking happy considering the record for every other, mm-hmm. you know, uh, major case. Um, you know, black and white of police brutality recently where these people just get to skate on by. Um, and even when they do suffer consequences, you know, they all end up in like private security companies. Like, yeah, you know, there like is administrative no, leave. Or... Exactly. There is literally no uh, serious consequence for these people, even when they are essentially honorably discharged from uh, the police mm-hmm. force. Yeah. Um, I'm going to like be kind of shitty for a second and say that, you know, it's difficult to watch these things and understand how important it is for there to be um, consequences. But at the end of the day, I can't experience joy from the idea of a prison. Mm-hmm. And I know that this is kind of controversial. People, you know, I don't know if you guys want to talk about the issue of her kind of performed remorse. Um, to me, I didn't sympathize with her, but it kind of drove home how serious the, I don't know, how serious the, the way that police 
are kind of trained and fucked up psychologically to be violent in the way they are and also not expect consequences. Yeah. Um, My hope for this is maybe that she does have a future in some kind of like um, advocacy position, you know, like as a voice for like cops to leave yeah <laughs> that's you know because i i watched that a lot of people were like you know it's crocodile tears i think that she was really pretty fucked up by this and that's not me being sympathetic with her because i don't actually care about her or what happens to her um but it's like clear that there is a crisis on multiple levels and if if that if that moves other people toward um you know deconstructing the system you know it's uh new approaches to policing that would be a positive in my opinion yeah i mean i i i feel kind of like caught in between two feelings where like part of me is like i think she should have gotten more than fucking 10 years but then the other part of me is like i prison shouldn't be a thing anyway um so i i don't know i mean either way like whether it was you know there was 10 years or even if it was just five she's good she's a cop in prison she's gonna have a hell of a fucking time yeah i um would like to piggyback off of the idea that we should not have prisons by uh (laughs) quoting our great president uh quote bring back the death penalty what has happened to law and order? The neighborhood cop we all trusted to safeguards our home and families. The cop who had the power under the law to help us in times of danger. Uh, dot, dot, dot. I no longer want to understand their anger. I want them to understand our anger. I want them to be afraid. What wonderful words, Donald. (laughs) I'm glad that you hate the police so much. No, that was from his uh, Central Park 5 Bring Back the Death Penalty full page ad. Uh, But I am uh, currently crowdfunding the money to rerun the ad, but talking about the police. (laughs) So... (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I feel as, as strongly about the death penalty as I do about prisons, but I really can't argue with that. <laughs> <laughs> what can you say? So, uh, speaking of cops, um, uh, Rashida, Rashida Tlaib uh, was criticized by a bunch of cops uh, for saying that... Uh, uh, only only black people should be put in charge of like the uh, what is what is what is it the the facial recognition software that cops are using mm-hmm. and cops are now saying that this is this is like reverse racism or some bullshit. When I yeah. get sunburned, it's reverse racism. <laughs> yeah. So this is kind of interesting, and um, it left me baffled for a while because I d- what she said. I don't know if I have the quote here, but um, she basically said, well. Or the way it was reported was that she said that um, we should have black analysts on, um, you know, on these teams dealing with facial recognition. I don't know if you guys have been following this issue in Detroit um, for a while, but um, Wait, are... we talked about it on a previous episode, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so so it's, it's kind of interesting that this all comes to head in Detroit because um, we you know, there are a lot of different ways of looking at facial recognition and understanding that it's racist. And so now it's, you know, of course, one of the this, these huge new programs is coming together in a place that is like almost all black, um, which is, of course, like bound to fail in some way or another. But 
the way that what she said was reported was that, you know, it sounded like, you know, we should have diversity of, you know, diversity in, in the facial recognition analy analytics room or whatever, um, which shocked me at first because I thought that she had been on the record supporting a ban of this, this kind of thing, which um, is in, you know, this is in Bernie's policing plan. Mm -hmm. um, seeing her, someone like her say that, you know, we could have facial recognition in police forces as long as it's like diverse um, was really upsetting to me at first. And it's, you know, I, okay, so I saw one of my good friends who's a bit of, he's a bit of a like left of DSA kind of guy, um, but he's very smart and he had posted about this and how this, this is, this is why a lot of people criticize democratic socialists is that like sometimes, you know, we, when it becomes difficult, we'll say things like, you know, like just more diverse police forces. Um, but when I looked into it, I, I noticed a couple of things. And, and the first is that she didn't, this isn't a statement she made. This was like an offhanded kind of comment she made when she was kind of touring one of these programs. Um, so I, I wouldn't necessarily take this as like policy that she was pursuing, but it is true. And I want to be on the record that like Bernie Sanders, his proposal says cops should not be allowed to use facial recognition software because the fact is the problem with it is not necessarily only that it's inaccurate when in, in a racist way, which is true, but like we don't, we don't want more accurate pol yeah. police tools, mm -hmm. right? That's right. not, right. there are a lot of problems with it that come, you know, these, these have been articulated from the tech side of things, from, um, anti-police activists, it's but Rashida had, didn't she sponsor that bill to ban the use of the technology in public housing? Do you remember this? Yes. Yeah. So that's why at first I was like, why all of a sudden is she like leaning into this technology? But I don't, I don't think that's really what's going on here. And it's interesting that along with this reverse racism backlash, we're seeing it being reported as if she supports these programs, which I don't think is the case. So, I, I, for, so if I understand correctly, your interpretation is that she's saying if we're going, like if we have to use these, basically, then that's this is how we should do it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. She's not officially saying anything about it. Even if that was the case, I, I understand that this is you know more out of her hands. It's a you know a city issue. Mm -hmm. um, even if that were the case, I would not be comfortable being like great idea yeah. you know and the way she phrased it it was not like the greatest um but she she definitely was not endorsing the she hasn't endorsed this technology it'd be a real concern if she was right um there's no reason our position shouldn't be like ban it don't let cops contract to private companies for like new bad racist technology mm -hmm. yeah let's yeah. let's uh not give more tools to the state for yeah. uh you know, hunting us down. Yeah, <laughs> this, this is going. There's the issues with this in Hong Kong right now too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, the face mask ban. Yeah, which is now being challenged in court. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was it uh, Carrie Lam? Is her name right? The, yes. Uh, the, what's her title? Is she prime minister or president? Uh, I believe that Kong? she is the president. Yeah, she uh, she instituted a, a ban on face masks. Uh, where like if you're caught with one on, like you can face what uh, like up to a year in prison or something like that. They'll, uh, I I have no idea what the punishment is, but I'm sure that it is uh, grossly disproportionate to the crime <laughs> of trying to protest, uh, you know, extradition with Xi's government. Yeah. Although on the record, President Xi, I love your government, and when you take over, I would love a bureaucratic position. <laughs> Don't talk about poo like that. <laughs> <laughs> 
we do have many more honeybees here, so there is a strong incentive for a military coup. <laughs> well, I was under the impression that it was, uh, you know, as long as uh, it's diverse, then it's okay to have a, pol a fascist police force, you know, like like the woman director of the CIA, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's good now. They really made it sound like that, right? And so, like, as I was trying to point out, like, people on the left are hearing this, and, and you know, other activists are hearing this, and it's not... Good. It doesn't look good for us, right? A black man is waterboarding them now. Mm -hmm. Come on. Yeah. What's yeah. there not to love? He, he, he's so articulate. With the facial recognition thing, too, it's also, you know... I don't think it's really her responsibility to have like read all the literature on this, but the way she represented the issue didn't doesn't necessarily represent the actual issues articulated by critics of the technology. Mm. Like it is true that the softwares have a hard time telling people of color apart comparatively, but that's like low on the list of issues that um the you know like the technological issues as well as the political issues. Um, this is like just yeah, I it's think a, it's a real serious constitutional threat the whole thing it yeah. absolutely is and you know i think it's a bit revealing that you don't see people like you know the bundy ranch folks who are supposedly so concerned about personal liberty why are they not losing their minds about this shit because this they don't is live in detroit well i mean they don't live you know you know that's well, what policing... yes no the, i mean the exact yeah. thing is that it's like well they don't give a shit because it's not actually about them yeah, because right. it's always or... used in cities which are disproportionately people of color. Right, and the parts of cities that mm. are... Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm not even sure all of that's true. I know, I'm know i sure there are many libertarian, many wingnut people of many stripes who are very upset about this, like, genuinely. Um, oh, I bet Rand Paul is very and unhappy. And they should be, and, you yeah. know, in that sense, there are allies. Um, and I, yeah, I don't necessarily know that it's true that this technology is only going to affect people in cities. It's just that's yeah. where we're going we're gonna to be using it, right? Um, Libertarians are not all psychos. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I agree. Back they're not all psychos on every issue. I, I mean, government surveillance is probably the one thing that I can agree with Rand Paul on. Um, government surveillance and probably like non-interventionalism, like right. We, we don't those things, think too hard about this. The list will get up. long. I'll, I'll take drugs as well. I'll See? take the drugs. Yeah. This is a dangerous road we're going down. But it, it, it also depends if you're talking about like actual libertarians or like American <laughs> libertarians. There's a big difference. Like if you're a true libertarian, you're like, let's go open borders. So like, I mean, I don't know how many. The, in America, the term is like it's coalitionary and yeah. it's big. It's nebulous on purpose um, for political reasons, which I'm not trying. You know. I think there's there's potential in that, right? Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm go I'm going down a dangerous road right now, but <laughs> but we do have a lot in common with there. There are many different anti-statist movements globally that have a lot in common. That's what I will say. I think uh, one of the takeaways we get from this uh, facial recognition, and just broadly speaking, is like the fact that we really need um, something of a. Uh, like digital rights, like we, yeah, like a uh, um, sure. civil rights are a magna carta of the uh, internet and digital. It, absolutely, realm. and I mean, you know, that discussion should have been started when net neutrality was fucking tossed out. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, somehow these things 
are so difficult to get people to pay attention to because the terminology is just opaque and boring. Mm -hmm. And so they immediately turn off, even though it is probably the most significant thing right now in terms of the ability to control populations. Well, plus, even if if more people were interested, um, most of our lawmakers are just fucking morons. Um, Like... A lot of them, they don't even know how to use Google, <laughs> so it's hard to get them. A series of tubes. <laughs> God, that fucking Facebook, where they were talking to Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, uh, we run ads. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's hard to get legislation on on this, like good legislation on this, when uh, the people who make it uh, don't know anything about it. That's why we need Elizabeth Warren's technocracy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Experts and plans, baby. All the way. <laughs> Got We're, plans for days. We are means testing your meals. <laughs> Which Democratic candidate do you think is the best at the internet? The candidate themselves or the campaign? The candidate. Candidate. None um, of them. I don't know. Do any of them? Shot actually... in the dark. I'd say Andrew Yang. Yeah. Oh fuck! I forgot about Yang. I was say Andrew. That makes Andrew's... my question kind of stupid. So does uh, <laughs> CNN and MSNBC. So don't feel bad. Isn't isn't it International Yang Gang Day? That's what, what? Twitter tried to tell me. That's a, uh. that's not a thing. That's that's no. not it's a trending thing. on Twitter. International Yang it's Gang. A, it's a thing if they tell me it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's trending on Twitter, dude. Mm-hmm. Is, a... is it people? To, you can't just make something trend on Twitter. Am I wrong? You can't just sponsor something. Yeah, that would imagine how fucked up it would be if you could just pay money to have certain ideas pushed into people's face, <laughs> prioritized, you know? That'd be, that'd be pretty, crazy. Yeah, that'd be fucked up, man. That's Orwellian. And this podcast is brought to you by... <laughs> <laughs> just Pen- your money. Just Pen- your money. Send it in. Uh, and uh, Kindle, get the uh, audiobook or Audible or whatever of uh, 1984 by George Orwell. <laughs> we loved you, Jeff Bezos. It's suited, it, it suits well because Audible is owned by Amazon now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Us soon. Ho- hopefully. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. <laughs> we need Save to get twenty percent on your checkout when you use uh, promo code FUCKOFFS. <laughs> we 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 missed the the David Coke money train, so we're gonna hop on the. Uh, we were shooting for Jeff Bezos, but you know we're not above uh, you know uh, Chuck Schultz or whatever the fuck his name is. Starbucks. Oh, Howard Schultz. Yeah, Howard yeah. Schultz. I think Howard Schultz. I think a Times Dyer. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, if things get really desperate. You... Hey, Howard, you want to sponsor our pod? You want to give us a five billion dollar deal for this podcast, <laughs> and we'll uh, talk about how there are notes of cashew in this new blonde espresso or some shit. Bernie Sanders had a heart attack a few days ago. Yeah, That's, uh, I almost fucked. had one when I read the news. To be yeah, honest. I, I, I was, I, it got me an all on the TV. I was like, oh no, now the world's doomed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so is it for sure a heart attack now? Yeah, uh, yeah, minor, but uh, yeah. Mm-mm. His first. Yeah, his first at seventy-eight, which you know, like I think there's. 
there's going to be a lot of uh, media outlets, and they already have started. Um, they're basically like vultures circling, like just <laughs> yeah. waiting um, and trying to drive a narrative that uh, he's he's done for. He's he's one foot in the grave. They and... are literally vultures because they're just waiting for him to die. Yeah, yeah. And I I'm like <laughs> and on the on the other hand, you have fucking Joe Biden, whose whose goddamn eye is bleeding and his like dentures are falling out of his fucking mouth. <laughs> yeah, and they and, like a brain aneurysm like on like, yeah, or a stroke yeah. or yeah, something this, on stage. This guy is literally like a cartoon Frankenstein who's like falling apart as he walks. <laughs> I think uh, Joe Biden's just been staging in a viral ad for private medical industry. Like, oh my god, this, this is man his is stimulus package. His eyeballs like falling out of his head, and they're like, "We fixed that." How bad can private insurance be? This man uses it, and he is almost <laughs> the president. Look at, oh, yeah. look at it. Don't you, don't you want hair like this man? Uh, he's like a year or two younger than Sanders. Like, what the fuck? That is like, don't you feel cons by the media? Like, like Warren's uh, only, she's yeah. only a few years younger than him, too, right? Yeah, right. I think she's like seventy. Mm-hmm. Seventy. She's seventy. Yeah. It's. I mean, it is ageist. Also, I just want to be on the record. Mm. It's not fair. It the the most annoying thing about this, I think, is like it is just giving more ammunition to like all the people who are saying that he's too old. Yeah, because like up until this point, like what I would say to people is like, what makes you think that? Other than the fact that he is old and he looks old, what specifically makes him too old? Because mm-hmm. I'd I, I'd like an explanation for that. Yeah, and you know, like honestly, if we're getting real, like I mean, obviously, there's problems with all of our presidents, but one of the better presidents we had was wheelchair bound. Mm-hmm. Like, so I, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't really care. Like, Are no. you saying that you support the Japanese internment camps? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but no, I, I agree. And to your point a second ago about, uh, you know, essentially, there's like the media. Uh, pushing a narrative until it becomes true. Um, the New York Times recent uh, headlines about Bernie Sanders include um, Bernie Sanders has a heart attack this week. Uh, it, or Bernie Sanders has, has a heart attack this week in the 2020 race. Um, it was 15 hours ago. One day ago, Sanders said he had a common heart procedure. So why the mystery? Um... Three days ago, Bernie Sanders is hospitalized, raising questions about his candidacy. Um, four days ago, Sanders posts biggest money haul of quarter. Will Warren top him? Oh, it's always. Oh, like, I'm sorry, what? We will get to that, won't we? Is that on mm. the docket for tonight? Oh, yeah. Is, yeah. I think, you know, this is, well, I mean, it's obviously a conspiracy. Like, we all agree that this is a conspiracy. Yes. But I, I have These been thinking a lot about people. how this isn't, this is something we've seen in many um, campaigns for in history. Um, we probably all remember this being an issue with John McCain. Um, do you remember, like, the, what do you, what, what are you making? I, well, I, do you think it's different? No, I mean, I, I was, uh, when John McCain was running for president, I was, I was, uh, 
a freshman in high school and I did not give a fuck about politics at all. Okay, so, but that did happen, right? This was a major concern in his campaigns, a couple of them, um, with it, with his health and his age. I remember this being talked about, no, I don't remember this. I wasn't alive. I'm a historian. I should, uh, put, I should preface <laughs> that. Um, I know that this was talked about a lot with Ronald Reagan, right? Um, sure. who also ha- did have a lot of age related issues in, during his presidency with dementia and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, so I think I, you know, I, I haven't heard any historians like giving CNN a take on this, but I think that there are ways that this is pretty different from all of those cases. Um, but it's also something. What? Well, I was just thinking that um, Al Gore in the 2000 election was, uh, you know, obviously it wasn't his age, but like the media, the way that they covered him versus Bush, like Bush would just say and do idiotic shit all the time. And then Al Gore, like, says something, yeah. th- th- you know, about, like, the, you know, funding the program that, you know, uh, created the Internet or whatever. And they're like, oh. Al Gore thinks he invented the Internet. What a dumb bitch. Don't yeah. you hate this pompous <laughs> liberal? How mm-hmm. old was Ralph Nader during that election? Does anybody remember? Like, Ralph Nader has got to oh be, like, tw- 20 or 40 years older than Bernie Sanders, right? King. King. Um, Ralph Nader is, like, at least 120 right now. <laughs> I think he's about the same age as Bernie, like, That's- roughly. Ralph Maybe a little Nader. bit less, actually. I love that. Ralph Nader's an elder god. <laughs> he has yes, always existed. Yeah, but I, 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 he's eighty-five. Uh, so oh, he's actually he's actually about like six years older. Than like I'm Sanders. not trying to okay. start any shit with Bernie Sanders, but what was he doing when Ralph Nader published on speed, unsafe at any, any speed? Unsafe at any speed in the seventies. Six sixty sixty eight right sixty five. Um, um, I'm just getting kidding. arrested. I'm just I'm just promoting Ralph Nader. On the <laughs> I think big, he was getting arrested in Chicago. <laughs> um, but I think your your point about like the media bias against like progressives is always kind of like they did the the Dean Yell was kind of a. <gasps> I think thing. about that every day of my life. Like how that was like a. They ended his campaign by, you know, really just him getting excited, which is, was, I mean, and it's, they, you know, they talk about Bernie yelling, you know, still mm-hmm. now. And it's like, it's just like this, like, um, love of civility at a yeah, time when, yeah. like, I think that if the world's Howard Dean had been Jewish, they would have been able to carry that a lot farther, actually. <laughs> um, Anyway, I think maybe Bernie Sanders having a heart attack is the most populist thing he has done yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, there's a lot of um, doctors that have been coming out and talking about how um, usually after procedures like this where stents are put in, uh, the person comes back even more invigorated, which kind of makes sense. If, you know, you're getting <laughs> Actually, like 100% <laughs> of your blood and oxygen in your body, which you know, yeah. is we, ha- pretty we haven't seen Bernie Sanders at, at full capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is I'm. I'm this kind incident of... spawned so many great memes. Oh yeah, yeah. The 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 internet's ability to control the narrative on this was uh, nothing short of amazing. Um, Actually, this means that he's more healthy. And uh, I think it. I don't know. I I uh, I've. I think I have always been a fan of like um, being the underdog and like this just kind of like kind of pushes that in just a little bit more. And I like that idea because it just like reinvigorates our base and uh, pushes people to volunteer, donate and, you know, uh, get behind the campaign even more, Uh, especially when like the we see all these bad faith uh, attacks against him Mm -hmm. that we know are just like complete bullshit. I really admire his, his just like unwavering commitment to the issues because mm-hmm. like 
his like his first tweet like after he uh went to the hospital and had that procedure done was uh thanks for all the well wishes i'm feeling good i'm fortunate to have good health care and great doctors and nurses helping me to recover none of us know when a medical emergency might affect us and no one should fear going bankrupt if it occurs medicare for all yeah always just like always fighting like i i've said it before on this podcast but like bernie sanders is like willing to die to give us all health care and like that's like i'm like like part of me is joking part of me is like i'm I'm like that like i think that's like his like dream is to like become president like if there was one policy he could push through i think that would be yeah um and i think that in part i think that comes from the fact that uh his with his mother uh passing away so early Mm -hmm. if if he did that he would probably be the most significant president since the new deal Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so he's willing to sacrifice himself jewish you see where i'm going with it (laughs) he he went down in rows three days later that's true yeah that's true um where's the boulder (laughs) (laughs) well i mean I, i i think this also just i mean it's proof of just how deeply committed he is to this campaign because i mean he's older than everyone else and he's campaigning harder than anyone else he's yeah just running circles around them just to be all honest. over the fucking place and he's been all doing the country for since 2015 uh, basically like, yeah since 2015 he hasn't, he hasn't stopped he hasn't stopped campaigning mm-hmm. a lot of people forget uh uh, his impact in the uh, ACA fight and him going around doing rallies all across the country to get people to um, fight back against Republicans trying to overturn the ACA. So, mm-hmm. and I mean the the way that he's been able to keep himself like in the spotlight and in the public discourse um, has been able to uh, has been able to help him grow his massive un just like unparalleled fundraising infrastructure, mm-hmm. uh, which. I think, uh, Zach, you have those numbers, right? Uh, yeah. So, um, obviously, coming out of the gate, Bernie Sanders was the uh, strongest. Um, he had 25.3 million, um, which uh, was just mind-blowing. So, the largest to date. Um, <clears throat> the average donation was uh, $18. Um, it's kind of crazy. And... I, I, you know, we talked about it earlier. You'd, you'd mentioned that New York Times article. Will Warren come out with a bigger number? Answer: No, yeah. she won't. Um, Twenty-four point six million uh, average donation of uh, twenty-eight dollars. Um, and uh, then next from there was Buttigieg, <laughs> who has like what, like twelve donors that are all billionaires or something. Yeah, yeah. They're uh Jeff Bezos and like five of his like <laughs> Cayman Island accounts. So the number I think I or the statistic that I saw was that this is like the largest number of donors in history. In the history of maybe Bernie himself tweeted this, right? There have never mm-hmm. been this many individual donors in a in a American campaign. No. Is um, that true? That is true. So, like the yeah. uh, in two thousand eight, um, Obama broke the record of getting to a million donors, um, and he did that in January of uh, 08. and then or he did that in February of oh eight rather. And um, in twenty sixteen, Bernie Sanders uh, did that in uh, January of twenty sixteen, um, and then uh, 
he rebroke his record by doing that again uh, last month, getting to a million donors, um, even faster than any last time. Five months. Yeah, uh, he is literally making and breaking records. Yeah, making and breaking. Hey. And ninety nine point nine percent of those donors have not maxed out yet, right? Yeah, which is um, quite the contrary to some other candidates. So Biden, he raised fifteen point two million, and thirty eight percent of his donors have maxed out. Um, so that means like, I mean, 38% of your donors are maxed out that, uh, fundraising pool is just shrinking and shrinking every quarter. Yeah. I mean, it seems, it seems like it's really stupid to run against Bernie Sanders or to not want to see him in, in the general, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Seems like that's part of the plan, huh? He's also the only, um, candidate currently running to have, uh, more individual donors than Donald Trump as well. Almost seems, seems like, like he could win against deal. Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's, wow. um, there's almost as if. There's, I mean, yeah. I, typically, uh, I, I mean, I argue pretty strongly against the whole electability thing. Yeah, but don't you think that we should compromise? Amy Klobuchar seems so nice. But I, you know, Don't okay, you want so her to throw a stapler at Donald Trump during the debate? I get it, right? It seems like electability is a losing argument because that's exactly what they're saying. Like, nobody's going to vote for angry old Jewish grandpa. But I like this conversation. And I know that, you know, I've heard this coming out of Jacobin and Matt Brunig and some other Twitter leftist edgelords. But I think that it's really an interesting change of the conversation to talk about electability as like truly what does their base look like. Right. And Bernie Sanders is like one of the most electable candidates that we've ever seen in our lifetimes. Um, if you look at it that way, right? If electability becomes a measure of like what is your political base and who's voting and mm-hmm. not like who's like got really good commercial money or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who's going to be able to who's going to be able to go as far to the center as possible in the yeah. general like is... Yeah, so I I like that kind of turn of thought a little bit. Right. There's been a lot of uh, this is an interesting uh, mis- another misreporting by uh, MSNBC when Ooh. they're reporting the numbers. Um so Buttigieg had 19.1 million, he was in he was in third. And like I said, Biden had followed him with 15.2. Um, but when they reported the numbers, uh, they were showing uh, both quarter three and quarter two numbers. And Buttigieg raised quite a bit in quarter two, 25, uh, 24.9. Um, so when they reported uh, Bernie's number, they reported uh, 24.3 million dollars less, which made him appear less than Buttigieg's last quarter. So it's just like, and you know, it's it's. Don't you it's just one of those love things where fuckery. if it were if it were to be we 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 got the wrong number. <laughs> yeah, if it were like a one-time thing and it was like a you know like because typos happen, but like it's a <laughs> it's like an overwhelming pattern now to where it's like you know they they just yeah. like can't math at MSNBC there at all. Was, was it the New York Times like a month ago that was like if you just if you don't look at Bernie Sanders's numbers, oh my god, here's who's leading. <laughs> like if we just set him aside. Oh yeah, it was like the, the donor the map. Color. Yeah, because you Just literally we'll couldn't see anyone yeah. else if you were looking at Bernie Sanders as well. It right. seems like there would be a different angle to report that. Yeah, gee, there was. Um, I can't think of one though. There's some interesting, uh, <laughs> based on that map, or since that map's like uh, released, there was some uh, interesting uh, data to come out because you kind of you you always hear the. Um, the argument that uh, the campaign is just the same base. It's the same people. It's not growing. There's no yeah. there's no new people coming onto the campaign. Um, so when that donor map came out, uh, which came out August 2nd, 
um, since then, uh, the, the rate at which uh, uh, the number of individual donors has increased for each candidate uh, is, as, is as follows. So uh, Harris went from 277,000 to 280,000 donors, um, a 1% increase. Um, Biden went from 256 to 260, 1.5. Buttigieg went from 390 to 400, 2.5% increase. Mm. <clears throat> Warren went from 421,000 to 509,000, a 20% increase. And then there's Bernie Sanders, who went from 746,000 to 1.05 million, a 40% increase in the number of donors. We love to do things out of spite. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I think you love you love to see it. You You really really do. (laughs) but that is Jinx, like me completely cool. dispels that idea that bernie sanders is not growing um beyond like his uh former donors former base and he has the most diverse base mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's the only uh base that is uh majority uh people of color and not Majority, white. except that uh, all of his supporters are uh, misogynist, mm-hmm. uh, you know, white residue. frat boys. Did, we never talked about residue, did we? Uh, we, we we discussed residue. If we don't explain that, that meme, that meme will expire. If we don't, uh, I don't know residue. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Nate Silver had when he was talking oh, about uh, diversity of bases, was talking about how um, Bernie's base really isn't that diverse because. Um, Really, all that happened was white people left the campaign, and now the residue of what's left is is more diverse, and that's because not really. I, I really can't believe he made a white flight argument. Like, just the argument itself was a lot. Yeah, I I was like, this is yeah. You're Nate, trying to make a good point, and I don't think you're 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 not you're not. <laughs> it's like you know, like did the people of Detroit are the residue of when white people decided to move to Ferndale? Yeah, basically, I think that's like this. Yeah. No, Lovely. you know it's not. It's not not that surprising coming from uh, Nate Silver. Yeah. yeah, surprise, surprise! Like this shitty like numbers dweeb is like you know kind of fucking racist. <laughs> yeah, well he's like a f- uh, what a fucking hack. Yeah, former libertarian folks. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't he hasn't been like really right about things since like what like twenty twelve. Yeah, twenty twelve was like last is, time that he was like his whole thing yeah. is that he's good at polling. And 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 what has that shown us? Like, I mean, you know, since the election, I I want to like him because I love how wrong he is. Like, he tries and he tries, and it's just so cute that he like can't ever be right. But I don't know why he also has to be like a little bit evil. Yeah, no, that's the thing is I cannot. I just like can't deal with these people that you know act like they are not. Um, Trying to, like, actively steer us into the glacier while we are, like, tugging at the wheel. Like, please, there's a huge glacier. I swear to God, it's right there. (laughs) Like, no, no, it's probably not that big. (laughs) We can go right through it. I thought one of the... um, And guess what? He drowns. (laughs) I thought one of the more interesting fundraising numbers to come out. So, um, following Joe Biden was Kamala Harris at eleven point six, and then uh, Andrew Yang at ten million. I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people in the 
pundit class that uh want to dismiss uh andrew yang yeah. and write yeah. him off uh there's i mean there's in there's um instance where uh cnn uh referred to him as uh john yang <laughs> <laughs> uh there the there was a graphic that was thrown up on msnbc the other day that was um doing people in order and uh instead of having uh him uh following uh kamala harris they had uh cory booker who raised six million so i was like you know yeah. andrew yang raised more than cory booker he should be in that spot so it's just like um and and you hear it all the time like you you know like uh they had um i think it was on the rise uh the hills rising they had um a couple uh democratic strategists on they were talking about andrew yang and you know they're like he's just not a serious candidate he's not a serious candidate and, and it's coming from the same folks that think like you know amy klobuchar is a serious yeah. candidate donald yeah. trump wasn't a serious candidate yeah, anytime yeah. i'm watching a news show and like the the ticker like with their name on it uh like 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 underneath their title if it says democratic strategist like that's a signal to me to be like oh i don't give a fuck about anything you're saying <laughs> yeah that's, a, that's a I, cool. I was one of the architects of the losing hillary clinton campaign <laughs> yeah i work at the failing new york times <laughs> or as uh adam johnson uh put it uh the people uh responsible for the political equivalent of 9-11 <laughs> I love that the implication is that 9-11 wasn't political. No, sorry. Uh, electoral electoral <laughs> okay. equivalent is what I meant. I, I like the political equivalent of 9-11 much more. Man, I can't believe that Cory Booker spent all that time schmoozing to charter schools and he still can't make more than six million is that what you said six million yeah it was that's really pathetic quarter. yeah yeah well his campaign had put and out that was like, like a after statement. like begging for money yeah right? his campaign put out a statement saying like if we can't raise 1.7 million dollars um by the end of the quarter we're we're, we're done i cannot wait yeah, I mean, so this is like the donation version of please clap. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's 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 exactly what that was. So, uh, you know, uh, my the big takeaway is, I guess, uh, you know, now that Bernie Sanders has raised more than every other candidate, when is he going to drop out? It's mm -hmm. a good question, because, I mean, it, obviously his campaign is falling apart. Yeah, I mean, just falling apart at the seams. Like um, his body. <laughs> <laughs> too soon too soon <laughs> Matthias I'm still grieving <laughs> he's not even dead <laughs> uh, but honestly if he dies I will fucking self immolate like that monk in Vietnam <laughs> I mean yeah if 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 Sanders isn't the nominee uh, isn't the Democratic nominee next year um, I'm just gonna give up on national politics altogether mm, focus on the local hell yeah I mean, I'm already focusing on on it somewhat. Especially, well, actually, for the most part, uh, because we got the city council yeah. elections right now. But if you know, if Bernie doesn't make it in 2020, then just fuck it. Mm -hmm. We're gonna go all local. We can bro. run branded for president. We could in eight years. Please, no, I approximately. I don't really yeah. mean that. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, if if you're, I know you're listening right now. <laughs> well, you know, he doesn't believe in, in the large scale. Local only. That's how you affect real change. City council. So this is one of the more so Gandhi uh, mind blowing uh, statistics that I've read in the past couple of days regarding fundraising. So um, Bernie Sanders has received three point three million individual donations um, on average. That is fourteen thousand seven hundred thirty two per day 
613 donations per hour, 10 donations every minute, and one every six seconds. Wow. Yeah. So that's um, fucking insane. So I I love that Dope. in 2015, 2016, we kind of changed the paradigm and made it so that these uh, super uh, shitty candidates funded by the ultra-wealthy uh, can't compete with working class folk that's uh i i you know with all <clears throat> with all the um big donors and fancy fundraisers that they go to they still can't still can't top sanders yeah I mean, i'm very moved by your optimism i hope that that is true but you know that's not the only thing that determines an election i think i think it's a good sign though that like pete Buttigieg, he he has like the most billionaire contributors of like any other candidate and he's just fucking failing in the polls yeah yeah that's true i'm not trying to be cynical i'm actually i actually am like feeling very warmed by this conversation because sometimes online it's like very um it feels like the end of the world sometimes (laughs) among the bernie bros yeah i mean and I think that can be like, you mean like in the sense that, um, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people think that we're doomed, you know? Oh, more cynics. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I probably should be a cynic. Um, and the fact that I'm not just means that I'm probably dumber than the average person. (laughs) (laughs) Um, cause I don't know. I mean, well, you know, they say ignorance is bliss. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think either side is right. Um, I guess I just like fall into that belief that like there's not much to be gained in cynicism. I think, uh, yeah, the stakes are really high here. So I think all we can do is kind of take a leap of faith. I'm a really big believer in the leap of faith poli- mm. as a political strategy. I think um, a lot of why I feel like I like Bernie comes comes down to we were talking before we started recording about how I used to be a lot more cynical about the and I am cynical about like we shouldn't have presidents first of all like the institution is corrupt and evil um but a lot of things you know the the fact that we have something like medicare for all and a green new deal that ha- that can change so many lives really quickly and they're right there they're right on the table we could touch them and it would change so even though it's not re- it's not serious revolutionary change it doesn't up upend capitalism but it could change so many lives so quickly so quickly if we mm-hmm. just did it um so when i talk to people about this i you know i i always point out that you know we could just try it like we could just try this thing you know mm-hmm. that's kind of how i approach it there, yeah. i think i saw a tweet like a little while ago it was like can we just like try socialism for a little while? Yeah. And if, it, if it doesn't work out, then we can go back to destroying the planet and working people's lives for profit. Yeah. I, I think that um, like the fact that Kamala Harris has to, you know, denounce socialism and, you know, like Nancy Pelosi at that one town yeah, hall was, I was just thinking about that. You know, like the fact that these people have to go out and be like, um, we're not socialists. Yeah. I think that that is. Another good sign, uh, you know, thinking about the, the campaign funding, like there there has been a, a shift uh, since 2016. And, um, you know, it isn't like revolutionary, but the, you know, the attitude is beginning to change quite a bit. And I think that I think that it is good that these people uh, feel on their toes. Yeah, because uh, I, I think that. They are probably by saying I'm not a socialist. I want to believe that they are uh, making a poor calculation of 
uh, you know, whether or not they're going to get the smaller or bigger half of the party when they appeal yeah. to pure capitalism. I think that they believe that there are people out there who vote Democrat who are like, I'm still very afraid of of the Soviet Union. They like really think that those people are out there. I don't. I don't necessarily agree, um, but either way, I think it makes them look dumb as hell when they say stuff like that. I think they're, if, if those people exist, they're um, either a, a very, very, very negligible part of the Democratic yeah. Party or they're, they're just not they're They're in the other party. They're in the Republican Party. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's a that's a foolish strategy. I mean, <clears throat> so, uh, was it like um, just a couple of years ago, socialism overtook capitalism uh, in favorability for uh, 18 to 35 year olds. Yeah. I was, I was going to yeah. say, I, I, I think that this attitude is not necessarily drawn by party lines more mm -hmm. than it is like generational. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, so a left critique of this would, would be to point out that we're not really, socialism is not really what's on the table. No, no, no. Social um, democracy. Which is, which is what makes the whole thing funnier. <laughs> Um, I, I see. It's, it's like a like a stepping stone towards socialism. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I believe it's like big, the, uh, it's Bernie's Bernie's step, Green New though. Deal like basically calls for the nationalization of energy production in the United States. Yeah. Um, I think that it's uh, it follows in the um, like Marxian uh, philosophy that uh, while mm -hmm. uh, socialist revolution should always be the end goal, um, one of the ways that you um, achieve that end goal is by incrementally making people's lives better. Um, because when people are, once you start to, I mean, this is why I, I feel that like countries, um, in the European Union that have social democracy and a safety net are more equipped to, um, do dem like, dem you know, participate in democracy in terms of like protesting and, um, you know, unions are stronger and things like that. So yeah. I think, uh, having shorter work weeks by allowing, by freeing up people's times and concerns to where they're not just like in basic survival mode, you can move to, um, other, you can move the, the, the conversation more towards like actual big structural change in terms of, um, getting power out of the hands of these institutions and in the hands of the people. I think in particular, um, the, the approach to power is an exciting one for me because, um, national, you know, taking, it really is just breaking up. If you think about capitalists as a class and you think about like the energy companies as a class and breaking them up so that they would be like, have weaker connections to each other. Um, it's just like, it's exciting to me. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There, you know, I, I think it's worth pointing out that there are many people on the left who are annoyed by the, the the revolutionary spirit of people who think that an American president is a revolution. Um, I'm really not one of them. I'm just, you know, I'm trying to point that out. Um, but you're right about it, just the everyday life, and it's right there. It's so close, right? I, I think that it is a. Um, it's not a a real in quotes, in air quotes, a real revolution, but it is a symbolic uh, revolution. Um, well, that's what Bernie calls, you know, the political revolution, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, I, I, I think is a fine descriptor. Yeah. I think other people think that because the base is so young, they're going to, like, win and then get lazy. 
Um, and people draw parallels to what happened with Obama, where like a lot of young people had this spirit. And of course, Obama was the way he was from the beginning. I want to point that out. Um, but young people had this so-called revolutionary spirit, and then they were content when they had their president in power to, you know, bomb the Middle East. Well, I don't. And all I don't that. think it was. I, I wouldn't say it was necessarily all their fault. I think yeah. most of the blame I, is on Obama. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's a big disengage because I yeah. was not engaging yeah. the people that he inspired and fired up during well, his campaign. We yeah. were dumb. Like I, I wasn't like super passionate, but I definitely believed. I was 19 or something at that time. Um, and it's because I didn't know anything. Like that's why. That's why I liked him. Like pretty... uh, he spoke uh, like and ran in as like a transformational candidate. Yeah. He he was not speaking I the way that he ended up governing. governing. Yeah. No, not and, even close. You know, um, I mean, I suppose that there probably could have been you know like warning signs in retrospect, but there is really no way. To have known beforehand that he would have allowed, you know, people like Rahm Emanuel to have so much power in like the bailout negotiations. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, really, like his response to the bailout was like completely out of step with everything that he had been saying. Mm-hmm. You know, the second that push yeah, came to true, shove, he, you know, showed that, oh, well, actually, you know, the talk was, you know, not that much. And, you know, I suppose that. In a certain sense, there were warning signs for that. I mean, you know, when his preacher made that radical, uh, you know, uh, speech about America's, um, you know, involvement in Latin America Mm -hmm. and whatnot. Uh, you know, he threw him right under the bus. He was like, "Oh, well, you know, I." Are you talking um, about uh, Jeremiah Wright? Yes. Let me be clear. Uh. If you like your pastor, you can keep him. (laughs) I won't. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, I think you just saying that kind of highlights some key differences between the two. I think, you know, this is another thing I always say when it comes to to. Sanders' campaign is not to be a wonk about it, but he has like significant policy proposals and they are different from Warren's plans. They're not like. 400 word articles on medium right these are there's policy there and it's not just about his record but it is about like actual ways forward that are documented and that wasn't there with obama right that i'm not actually used to seeing this level of policy in a campaign i don't think i ever have in my life right no um and you know i think when the debate after some of the debates, I've heard that, or I've read read the position that um, Sanders has sort of upped the expectation for what kind of policy um, we want a candidate to provide. So you see some of these minor candidates coming out with like these really long reports. Um, Inslee is the great, the best example of this, but he is kind of that way anyway, I guess. Um, but even I, you know, I think of Warren's plans bullshit as a response to Sanders having actual policy. She doesn't have policy, right? Like the her plans are posts. right, right. There, there's nothing there. There, she's um, a senator. She could present yeah. like actual bills. And to... we, we, yeah. And I think that's like a serious criticism of her as well that she hasn't been. We can look at her record at least since she has been in positions where she has a record. But um, I think uh, earlier this year, it's not that I liked her ever, but when I woke up one day and all of a sudden I realized that she had not had a position on Medicare for all, and that was what until like March or something, right, or April. Like she mm-hmm. really just did not have a position, and then still her position is pretty lofty. Yeah, it, it, that was even like today, a radicalizing moment. Even, for even today, like if you go to her fucking website, yeah. and you scroll down to look for uh, healthcare at, and on her issues page, there is no like 
plan. There's no policy. It's yeah. just no, like a bunch of tweaks. It's just like a bunch of bullshit about how like, no one should have to go bankrupt, you know, you know in order she, to get health care. She does have a little bit of a record on this with Sanders' bill in, in the past, and it's not terrible. But I just, when I noticed that, I was just so stunned. Um, and a little freaked out. She's like um, like a Twilight Zone kind of character to me. <laughs> I think uh, one of the things that um, I learned from the Obama presidency, because uh, I was like a, I was an Obama boy before I was a Bernie bro, um, and uh, I. I um I learned that like th- th- there was this uh, like narrative being pushed out from the administration that uh, our hands are tied you know we like especially after uh, 2010 once they uh, lost the um, house uh, I think they lost the Senate too but yeah um, when when they when they lost control of uh, the legislature um, there was this like you know what what can we do we, we you know we can't do anything we can't do anything and um, you know obviously I've, I've learned a great deal since then and. The reality is, is there's a lot that a president can do in day one without having any input from uh, the legislative branch. We learned that from Donald Trump, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he, he's been an, an excellent, I mean, example of that. That you, you don't necessarily need to have um, all three branches of government to make significant change yeah. if you have your mindset to it. Yeah, and and Bernie has kind of demonstrated that that's his plan, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, even beyond executive orders. Um, what, what's the most hopeful thing to me about, uh, potential Sanders presidency is that he's been very explicit about the fact that, uh, he, he said like, I don't want to just be the commander in chief. I want to be the organizer in chief. You know, I, I fully expect him when, you know, when he gets into office, like obviously he's going to be facing, you know, a gridlock in the, in, in the legislature. He's like, they're not going to let him do anything. Uh, that he, and they're not going to want to pass any of the legislation that he wants them to pass, but he's going to have he's going to have the power and the momentum on his side and calling on everyone to, like, take to the fucking streets, guys. Like, this, it's time. Mm-hmm. Like, you want this shit. This is how we do it. Yeah. And he's also uh, talked about, um, you know, because like, one of the things that uh, Obama, like, he caved on the public option because of uh, in large part because of Lieberman. And, uh, you know, he didn't really do anything about that. And, um, you know, Bernie's already on record. He was asked if he would support uh, a primary challenger to. Uh, a candidate that like a Joe Manchin, for instance, that w- if, if somebody were to get in the way of his legislation and the people's uh, agenda, uh, would he back an opponent? And uh, absolutely. Yes. So yeah. and th- I think that's a fundamental um, difference from you're talking about Warren. It's yeah. a fundamental difference uh, from Warren as well. She's on record as, you know, defending Joe Manchin. And, and I yeah. don't think that she would um, always challenge her own party, uh, you know, the way that Sanders would. Yeah. I also think, you know, a consequence of this campaign has been this infrastructure for, you know, like since Bernie ran, we've seen all of these other like local and state candidates run. Um, and they're basically been run by Bernie's campaigners. Right. So not just DSA, but like largely DSA. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have this whole infrastructure to take advantage of to primary people, which mm-hmm. we've been successful at already. So we're uh, we're uh, pretty we're just about out of time here, but uh, Matias had an article he wanted to share with us. Uh, it was published by the Atlantic a couple days ago. Oh God, yes. why? The Atlantic. Uh, okay, so this is you know I, oh, this is a follow up on um, our 
favorite blackface story of recent vintage, Justin Trudeau um, <laughs> and the Arabian Nights saga. 1001 blackface events. Um, okay, so this is uh, by um, Stefan Marche. I am assuming that he is French or, you know, whatever. Okay. The title, The Woke Will Always Break Your Heart. <laughs> the Woke. <laughs> Canadian progressives have to decide whether they care more about Justin Trudeau's policy achievements or his offensive style. Style. <laughs> it makes it sound like he spent like the whole 90s in blackface. <laughs> well, I mean, that's he, how he got dressed. He probably did. <laughs> That's what it sounds like, at least, yeah, based on we, his own fucking account. Fair like, I can't remember how many times I did. <laughs> Canadian progressives, like progressives all over the world, must decide whether they care more about the pursuit of social and cultural change through the eradication of racist and sexist imagery or the pursuit of transformative policies. <laughs> wow. um, Transforming the oil fields. How racist, trans <laughs> how racist Trudeau's appearance in brownface was, and therefore how forgivable is subject to debate. People of color in Canada, by no means a contiguous body or voting bloc, have differences of opinion about the gravity of Trudeau's browning up. Um, <laughs> Okay. Um, a few more highlights. Uh, regardless of what uh, Canadians feel, uh, it closes off a line of attack for Trudeau. Uh, live by the sword of social justice, die by the sword of social justice. <laughs> I mean, you know, just the, the literary skill here is um, really on display. Anyways... Uh, okay, so I think this is a very pertinent paragraph um, and touches on our favorite uh, Twilight Zone gal. Only the left struggles with these standards of style. <laughs> style. Right-wing political opponents in Canada and elsewhere have a completely different understanding of acceptable behavior. Do they? <laughs> huh. In the United States, President Donald Trump supporters take his brand of nastiness very nasty his aggressive rejection of even the most basic social norms is a sign of authenticity meanwhile senator elizabeth warren is still apologizing for her cherokee ancestry claim <laughs> awesome uh, she should she should definitely not is apologize. She still apologizing i feel like she's done apologizing yeah, and she I, owes a few more apologies it, like I, I think she should keep apologizing yeah. for that that for uh, apologizing for that one time that she uh, claimed to be Cherokee for like 30 fucking yeah. years. <laughs> um, a wonderful quote uh, by Justin Trudeau in this uh, in this article. The fact of the matter is that I've always, and you'll know this, been more enthusiastic about costumes than is sometimes appropriate. <laughs> oh my fucking God. <laughs> God damn it. I just like to oh dress up, man. God. This dude's super lib. <laughs> Uh, oh my gosh. Um, but you know, the, the thing about this article is that the kind of, uh, sinister undertone is that, uh, you know, wokeness and, uh, uh political correctness and the, the social movements that, uh, are being represented 
by these, uh, you know, uh, the language that he uses extensively in his uh, political persona, that is what is to blame here. Well, they're getting like, in the way of real progress. Right. And like, if you want real progress, like you got to put up with some blackface, you got to have a little blackface. OK, <laughs> there's going to be there's going to be a little Aladdin in jet black Al Jolson blackface. OK. <laughs> It's just going to happen wow. once or twice or three times wow. or, uh, you know, uh, what, you know, he can't say definitively that there won't be more. <laughs> right, His so blackface like, was darker than fucking Tarzan. He's, he's, he, he's going to do like the unknown unknown. The known unknowns. <laughs> known unknown. <laughs> you know, there are known unknowns and there are unknown unknowns. And this is my personal Iraq. I mean, so this article... It lays bare to me that, like, the substance of his so-called progressive politics were those, um, you know, those, like, signals of wokeness. Like, his politics are not progressive. No. They look a little, like, vaguely progressive, for, but even by American standards, they're not. Um, and, okay, so I'll say something a little controversial on this podcast. Like, articles like that make me—I don't use the term progressive to describe my politics, like, ever— and that makes it pretty clear to me that it's like an empty term, right? This is how Elizabeth Warren says that she's the same as Bernie Sanders, right? We're both progressive. Like, what is that? That's why I like when he says, like, I'm I'm a democratic socialist. And they're like, oh, yeah. well, I'm a capitalist in my bones. Can't go that far. Right. Like, they, 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 it's she's nice putting that line in the She's a progressive capitalist. Yeah, yeah. She wants capitalism I've... to progress. Well, you know what it reminds me of is how, uh, you know, <laughs> even during, like, the Bush years, um, like to call someone liberal, like mm -hmm. people didn't openly weren't like, oh, I'm liberal, you know, um, and then liberal kind of became like the oh, like people actually wanted, yeah. uh, you know, like Obama and, you know, this more yeah. liberal, more to the left kind of thing. And then, you know, liberal became a passe thing that everyone was using. And, you know, then more recently, Thanks the same the, thing happened the, with the progressive fucking, the fucking mm -hmm. West Wing. Uh, what, who's who played the president in the West Wing? I can't remember. Uh, who, who I don't was. know. He like gave some like some like long fucking speech to Jimmy Smith about like how he's <laughs> how he's proud to be a liberal because liberals got got us you know uh, Medicare and you know uh, gave women the right to vote and blah 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 blah. Like liberals I, I, brought us Japanese internment camps. <laughs> Listen here. Well, like, like he, he's like arguing that you know, like, have you heard uh, liberals... someone with a weirder accent than FDR? <laughs> he's he's arguing that like liberals are responsible for like all of the major progress that that we've made as a country, and so like I'm proud to call myself a liberal, as as if like liberals uh, pass those things without massive pressure from from the radical left. Yeah, yeah. Also, this like... man clearly has not seen Dinesh D'Souza because <laughs> he doesn't realize that the Democrats are the slave owners. <laughs> <laughs> Just need to throw that out. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks for that apology. Um, yeah, I totally lost what I was going to say. <laughs> I uh, I apologize for Matthias Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Um, I like that you apologize to me because as a historian of the U.S., like I'm pretty engaged with many of the public faces of my discipline on Twitter. For example, Kevin Cruz. Are you all familiar with Kevin Cruz, no. who is always fighting with Dinesh? Kevin Cruz is like a major figure in my subfield, like contemporary political history um, and like. Yeah, so he's like constantly it's like a romance they have. I don't know. Have you guys seen this? He's like always 
he's always debunking Dinesh in like these long threads. Like Hell this yes. is about the realignment of the Democratic Party, and like I really respect him. He's like one of the greats in my field. But oh my god, Dinesh gives him a lot of ammo. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like it's like like borderline erotic, like the whole thing. That's like, <laughs> and, and he has this like tenured position at Princeton, and I'm like, where do you? Where do you find the time is for it, this relationship? Is you make like time the, for, for debunking Dinesh. Yeah. Is this like the Krasenstein brothers? How like they like re- tweet like reply to like literally every Donald Trump tweet? Yeah, kind of. He was doing that for a while and I had to mute him. Um but yeah. like then he found Dinesh so they could have like a, a feud. That's good. That's good. It's good when they decide to go after someone who's like more on their level that will respond. Uh, because then it's less like, you know, kind of pathetically yeah, <laughs> adding well, the Kevin president. Also, he came out with a, a new like textbook of American politics since the 70s. It's probably really good, but he is Does also he... probably selling a lot of it because of his feuds with with Dinesh and, and Trump. Fans I, and I hope that there's like one of those little uh, sidebars that they have in high school yeah. uh, history textbooks yeah. with a picture of Dinesh D'Souza. Oh, for sure. Yeah, like, yeah. Dinesh D'Souza is a liar. That sucks. <laughs> there goes like all my chances of getting into like a fancy PhD program. I'm just kidding. Well, we're uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're we're out of time, guys. Uh, so we uh, we got to sign off here. Uh, but uh, for those of you who are still here, uh, thank you for listening to this week's episode. Please make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating and a review. That'd be really nice if you did that. Um, you can also subscribe on Spotify and Google Play. We'll be on Stitcher eventually once I figure out how to do it. Um, uh, you can uh, like us on Facebook at State of the Revolution. You can <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at uh, SOTR Pod. Um, also, you know, uh, we if if you want to contact us by email, we do have an email. Uh, last last week, I said it was State of the Revolution at gmail.com. That was incorrect. It is SOTRPod at gmail.com. So uh, whatever we're fucking up and getting wrong, please let us know. Uh, email us or get in our fucking mentions um (laughs) or if you have something nice to say uh that'd be really cool too also uh if you uh if you get anything out of our show uh you can uh subscribe to us on patreon at patreon.com slash michigan progressive uh i'm benjamin clon zachary reinhardt matthias brimmer ricky reynolds we'll see you guys next week